0: Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What are we doing here? Why are we here? Shouldn't we be doing something else? It's Christmas morning. Shouldn't we be opening presents or sleeping in? or making mimosas, or getting ready for people to come over, or traveling to see family and friends? What are we doing here on Christmas morning? Why are we here? Well, I think quite simply, we're here to worship. Yes, there can be lots of ways to worship. I'm fully convinced that we can and we should worship with our whole lives. We, we can worship by means of sleep or mimosas or coming together with friends and family, and maybe some of y'all will be heading to do that in a little bit. But we're here now to worship in the central acts of Christian worship through word and sacrament, through confession and profession, through prayer and song. We're here to worship because unto us is born this day a savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now I think we'll do well if we understand the term that we're using. What does it even mean to worship? Here's a definition from a philosopher that I think is helpful. Worshiping someone is a mode of acknowledging that person's worthiness, that person's greatness or excellence, and we do so with odd, reverential, and grateful adoration. We acknowledge a person's worthiness, a person's greatness or excellence with odd, reverential, and grateful adoration. In and by worship, we gratefully adore God by acknowledging God's greatness and worthiness. Now, I think one of the collects we have for for Christmas, which you can find on page 600 in your prayer book, if you want to turn there, a collect for Christmas shows us three motives and an application for this grateful adoration of God's greatness. That is, I think we're inclined to worship someone great, someone great who has done something great, and someone great who has done something great for us. See if you can pick up these modes in the collect here, again, on, on page 600. Cullick says this, Almighty God, you have given your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him and to be born this day of a pure virgin. Grant that we who have been born again and made your children by adoption and grace may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you in the same spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Let's explore how how Christmas gives us an occasion to gratefully adore God for being great, for being great and doing something great, for being great and doing something great for us. So, first, we we gratefully adore God with reverence and awe because God is unsurpassably great. This call begins, as many do Almighty God. And what does that mean? But that God has all the might. We rightly worship God because God is above all, beyond all, with all power and might and glory. And on Christmas, we likewise worship God's own Son, Jesus Christ, who was born to Mary and Joseph. For he is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Here again from our Isaiah reading, these uh, attributions of greatness that are prophesied of Jesus. Uh, Isaiah prophesies and calls Jesus wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Moreover, Isaiah describes the kind of might and power that the Christ will have. And the government shall be on his shoulders. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So Jesus, who has the name above all names, is unsurpassably great and thus is worthy of our worship. So We worship God because God is someone great. And we also have reason to worship God because he's someone great who's done something great. And the second line in this collect here, I think, highlights one great thing that God has done. It says, You have given your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him and to be born this day of a pure virgin. I think this line reminds us that we worship God because God has done, at least here, two great things. One, sent his son to become human like each of us, and two, for his son to be born of a virgin. On the first, this fusion of divinity and humanity in one person in Jesus Christ is unlike anything that's ever occurred or, or will occur. The eternal son of the father, who by nature is God, has taken our human nature upon himself to become both God and a human being. This is someone unsurpassably great doing something unsurpassably great. And second, Christ's birth from Mary Theotokos, Mary the God-bearer, is on one hand very much like us in that we've all been born, but on the other hand very much unlike us, for none of us has been born of a virgin like this. You can even recall Mary's response to the angel Gabriel when he told her that she would conceive back in, in Luke 1. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And Gabriel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then we heard it this morning from Luke 2.6. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Someone great has done something great. The eternal word of the Father has taken our nature and was born a human being from the Virgin Mary. And so we rightfully respond in grateful adoration. Thirdly, we worship someone great who has done something great for us. Here again this next line in the collect we who have been born again and made children by adoption and grace. Jesus Christ was born this day in Bethlehem for us and for our salvation, as the creed puts it. As Isaiah says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, darkness on them has light shone. Christ was born for us. Christ is the light has come to illuminate our way. The angels proclaim to the shepherds in the fields the good news that is news for us as well. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, one who saves, who is Christ the Lord. Christ has come to save us. Without this great act for us, we would be destined for death and destruction. But Christ our Savior has saved us and made us children of God and inheritors of eternal life. As Titus puts it today, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Christ's birth from Mary, by Christ's birth from Mary, we are able to be born again, born not just of the flesh, but born into the family of God. Someone great has done something great for us. The eternal word of the Father has taken on our nature and was born a human being from the Virgin Mary in order that we might be saved from our sins and be adopted into God's family. Surely this should evoke odd, reverential, and grateful adoration. And so we rightly worship God, and we ought to do so here, now, and always. And I think our colleague suggests two ways we can worship God. First, uh, the colleague here petitions God in this manner. Grant that we may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit. Here, I think, in the Colic, we ask God for help to live like adopted children of God. Like the adopted children of God, we are. Renewed daily by the Holy Spirit, we are empowered by God's grace to live as we ought. Recall again what Titus says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. This grace is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. This is grace to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. We worship God by living as he wishes us to. We, we worship by living self-controlled and upright lives, modeling our behavior on the godly behavior of God incarnate. Now, again, I think we can worship in lots of ways, by means of sleep and mimosas and coming together. Clearly, Jesus himself partied with his friends. What's important is that a worship-filled life is both a response to and pattern on Christ's great work for us. Secondly, I think this colic shows us how to worship by its location. That is, we find colics in our liturgies. Our liturgy is of Holy Communion. If we're taking our worship as grateful adoration, I think this helps us to understand how Holy Communion is the central act of Christian worship. The word we often use for communion is Eucharist, which comes from Paul's use of the term, which we can simply translate giving thanks. Our worship in word and sacrament and confession and profession and prayer and song is our grateful response to the great things that God has done for us. We gratefully adore God in this meal of gratitude, a literal Thanksgiving meal. So we worship someone great who has done something great for us. The eternal word of the Father has taken on our nature and was born, of a human, born a human being from the Virgin Mary in order that we might be saved from our sins and be adopted into God's family. And we worship by offering grateful adoration through our lives that are patterned after Christ's and through our offering Eucharist, thanksgiving to God in Christ by the Spirit. In either mode of worship, we can join with the angels in proclaiming glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen.